Recently, uh, Shuko and I had the, the pleasure to go to Daibusatsu Zendo and to partially be there for one of the Zen weekends, introduction to Zen. And this weekend we went to was quite interesting by the fact that there were 55 people at Daibusatsu Zendo. That is a pretty large number. One of the reasons why there were so many people was that a former intern who had an internship at DBZ about three years ago went back to the school he came from and started a group of students who want to live together, who were practicing Buddhists who were practicing meditation. And so for this weekend, he alone brought about 15 people to Daibusatsu Zendo. It's quite interesting to see the variety of different human beings who come to join in this practice, who come to check it out, who come to investigate some aspect of their lives. One of the really interesting things that happened is during the question and answer period on the last day, there were questions from the participants and we had at least two people there who were from African-American descent. And of course the question came up, why is it that there are not more people of color? in this Buddhist practice. And there were more questions in the same direction of social justice, of racism, of discrimination, and so on. And it is very important to actually carefully think and carefully engage in all these practices that we have and how they relate to what we can do in society to make these let's call it ills, diminish. It's very hard to say if they will ever go away because, as you know, one of the three animals that make that wheel of Dharma move represents ignorance. Greed, anger and delusion. Delusion sometimes also called ignorance. Even here in Boston, and Boston doesn't have the greatest reputation as a city of inclusiveness, especially for African-American people. Think back to the busing so many years ago. But even nowadays, you have sports fans yelling at players of opposing teams racial slurs and throwing peanuts at them. That is, of course, something that nobody should just tolerate. Yet at this time, none of the people standing around or sitting there 
actually said anything. So it's important as a Buddhist practitioner to be aware when it's time to act and when it's time to work in silence. One of the points that I made when responding to one of the questions we had at Daibu Satsuzendo was that we have to be careful not to think of these societal shortcomings as objects, as things that exist. There is no such thing that is called racism. There is no object that we can call sexism, misogyny, hatred, whatever ill you want to name here. The important thing really is to come to the understanding that all of that, what we call by these abstract terms, are actions of people, of human beings. Racism comes into existence when a person acts as a racist. It does not exist on its own. So that is the point where Buddhist practice starts. Buddhist practice starts by looking, of course, first at our own doorstep, by looking at the challenges we face, by examining clearly when we ourselves bring such ills into existence and how we can learn not to just do that without reflecting. And the more we reflect about it, the more we become attuned to the workings of the self and we will be able to catch ourselves before these patterns at least consciously play out. We have to even go deeper because there are so many things in the culture in which we live that we have to examine those as well very, very carefully so that we not engage in this underlying kind of discrimination. In the end, as a true dedicated practitioner, every word we speak, every thought we put into action, we have to be very careful. We have to be committed. And we have to make sure that these are authentic expressions of who we are. Now, that doesn't mean that the thoughts that go through our minds will all become pristine, beyond reproach. Not at all. After all, it is human nature to think, and it is human nature to think in that two-dimensional way, and within that, terrible things play out in our minds. At times, all kinds of horrible thoughts go through my brain. Yet, from the home of my 
heart mind of Kokoro, there is the deep understanding that these thoughts are not who we are. When we speak them out loud, when we act them out, then we see what it means to be a slave to one's own thinking, to one's own predilections, to the cultural values that were instilled throughout one's personal history. But by looking very carefully in Zazen, but also in the world while we are interacting and making relationship, eventually we will come to the understanding that, well, all of these opinions, thoughts, are just without any substance, empty, no selfhood, nothing to hold on to. We hear a lot about engaged Buddhism. There are many things that could be said about it. And one of the most important things about it is that it is wonderful that people engage in the betterment of society. It's a wonderful thing that people spend time on justice, on equality, on working to make these abstract concepts of racism, of misogyny, of xenophobia and all of that, things of the past. But we have to be careful that we don't turn that activism into an attachment, that we compartmentalize it and ultimately compromise some of the value of it by the fact that we are attached to it just as another ideology, an ideology that might be more benign from the point of view of society. But nonetheless, for an individual who is walking the path of the Buddha in order to fully grasp, to fully fathom what it means that there is no fixated self, from that point of view, even the most benign ideology can turn into a hindrance. Let's all be kind. Let's all stand up for those who are discriminated against on a daily basis. But let us make sure at the same time that we are not just engaging in the fixation of yet another identity the identity of a social justice person, the identity of whatever you may fill in. When we act for social justice, for equality, as a Buddhist practitioner, we can't do it from a compartmentalized view of engaged Buddhism. If you say you are engaged in this what are you disengaged with? Living Buddhism must be fundamentally full engagement with everything, which then you could turn around and say it's disengaged Buddhism. 
at the same time as it is engaged. Because we engage with everything, every moment, come what will, looking deeply into how mind works, how identity becomes solidified and through the solidification turns into a hindrance, into freely following what the Taoist probably would have called the Tao. We might call it the activity of Dharma, the activity of nature, the activity of time. It is laudable how many more benign ideologies have come into existence. And all of them are preferable to any of the malevolent, exclusive, discriminating ways of understanding the world. As a Buddhist practitioner, however, I have to ask all of us to go beyond that ideology and to get to the very core, which naturally, and that is a firm belief I have, will show the core of human existence. My first Zen teacher, Genro Seon, his name as a civilian was Herbert Kudela. He came to an insight that has stayed with me since he shared it with his students. And what he used to say is, there are no evil people. There are only evil actions. Let's begin to stop acting in any kind of evil way ourselves. And let's be really clear that there are no objects that are called racism, that are called misogyny, xenophobia, sexism. Those are convenient thoughts we might have. But in reality, all of these things just come into existence by human beings acting as a racist, as a misogynist. And following the teaching of the Buddha, that gives us the way in. That gives us a chance to make relationship with people acting like that and awakening them or making them aware, hopefully, what they are ultimately doing. When the Buddha looked up at the morning star on the eighth day, he had the realization that he and all sentient beings together are perfect. Our Buddha, our God, are this in all its fullness. 